The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all for joining us here on this Wednesday evening, or if you're checking us out on one of your favorite places to catch podcasts. It's been a busy week in sports, and it's only going to get better as well. January is busy, and it continues to be that way. It is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. You know what, Kelsey? I think the best way to describe this last week would just be wild. We'll just keep, if we had to do one word, it, it is wild. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I actually won money on a bet, if that tells you anything. Well, money on 64 bets. But still, hmm. we're not going to talk about how many bets it took to win the money. But I won the money, finally. Uh, doesn't matter how you got there. It's that you got there, which that's all you need to know as well. So it's we got wild card weekend. We got a big, we got a relatively big name, an all-star player on the move in the NBA. We got some blowouts. We got some worse than blowouts, it feels like, as well. We got some close games. And finally... The wait is over. We've been waiting almost 10 years for it, and it's finally happened. We're not going to tell you what, though. You'll have to wait just to find out exactly what that is. But me and Kelsey are absolutely excited. We have waited a decade for this, and it is finally here, and we're going to get to that sooner than later. But I'm excited. Uh, pumped. Um, might get some content out of that, too. So we'll have to wait and see. But that, um, yeah, cannot wait to talk about that part of it. A spoiler alert, you might include us yelling about it. It might include a little bit of rage. So, you know, there's a lot there's of hope you rage. Almost a guarantee as well, too. But, you know, we got a lot to get to. So without any ado, here we go. Time to get to the first first segment. That is the tip-off, of course, brought to you by SeatGeek. Go ahead and use code Sports for $20 off your first set of tickets to anything but Cowboys games. To, so once again, use code Sports for $20 off your first set of tickets, whether it is sports, concerts, anything along those lines. And you know what, Kelsey? I think we kind of got to touch on the sad part of things. A beloved podcaster has quit his potentially quitting his day job. That is, and that's not talking about us either, as well. Too, uh, we appreciate y'all tuning, but we need more of you to do that. But Jason Kelsey appears like he might be retiring. Nothing he said on his own show that it's not a hundred percent for sure yet, but it looks like a duck and it smells like a duck. It just hasn't started quacking like that. But it looks like this might be Jason Kelsey's last game. Was that game in Tampa Bay? And we agree, first ballot Hall of Famer, easily, pretty much as well too. And on top of it, just outstanding player and absolutely hilarious on top of it yeah uh, first of all uh, way too many tears have were shed on that show uh between him and travis to not think he's retiring um also i, I kind of saw it in his eyes when you were look watch the game uh on you know, on monday you just kind of looked at it and it was like mm, he's he looks like he's like shaking his head like man i can't keep doing this this is too much and i imagine playing against vita Vea might do that to some folks even younger players but let alone Jason Kelsey, who's been at the top of his game for 13 years now. Um, I mean, obviously, he wasn't always the best center in the league, but he's like fine wine. He's just gotten better with age. Six Pro Bowls, and if I'm not mistaken, all six have come in the last 10 years. I think so. I think seven Pro Bowls, even as six All-Pros, if I'm not mistaken. Like, yeah. either way, absolutely asinine, no matter what way you slice yeah. it. And one of, the, one of the best centers we've seen in a game in recent memory. I mean, it really kind of went, you had Jeff Saturday years, and then as Jeff Saturday started to tell off, um, before he ended up in Denver, um, it was you started seeing Jason Kelsey kind of take over that role as the best center in the league, uh, and and he's really held on to that mantle for a long time. Part of that fantastic offensive line for the Eagles that has, you know, made me rue playing the Eagles literally twice a year. I hate it every year because it's like, well, okay, we have a great pass rush this year, yeah, but you got to go against that offensive line. Like, well, really, really, Jason, um, guy who's done everything, you know, helped out a lot of different quarterbacks 
Um, had a lot of different coaches. Let's not forget he was drafted by Andy Reid, which means he played under Chip Kelly and D- uh, Dougie P and now Nick Sirianni. And I feel like I'm missing somebody in between, but nope, yeah, I think you got all of them. I think I think I think you covered all of them pretty well. But on top of that, too, we also got Travis into the NFL with all the things he did for him too. So not only being arguably one of the best centers, you got he's the reason arguably one of the best tight ends of all time is in the NFL and mama Kelsey has something to do with that too. But that's a different, that's a different scenario, yeah. but I always remember that how athletic he is as a center, his ability to climb, not just sit there and basically punch Vita Vey. And that's the end of the play. He's blocking Vita Vey. And then he's climbing to linebackers, chasing safeties, clothesline in corners, whatever needs to be done. He made when Jalen Hurts and that offense was so good outside of the tush push last year, not this last year when all they did was run the tush push, but the year before that they were so good with those quarterback runs, those miles Sanders getting into a pro bowl. Cause he, he was taking out the D tackle, then moving on to the linebacker safety. He was able to accentuate those breakaway runs and make it easier for them to get chunk play. So I'm always going to remember how he climbed their screen game with him and Lane Johnson, a former quarterback slash tight end Lane Johnson. It was just stupid how well they used to be able to run screens. Not so much this year, considering they had negative 29 yards on the season on 600 screen plays. Dumbest stat I've ever seen. But before that, before this year, when their offense wasn't basically a chat GPT version of last year's offense, it was a it was absolutely outstanding. So I'm just going to say I always remember his athletic ability, the ability to really open up the playbook from a center perspective, which is a very unusual sentence to say. Yeah, people forget when he was uh, in high school and in, into college, he was a linebacker, and he played as a center in hockey. Um, actually had a, was an all-county player in hockey uh, in his high school days. So talk about a guy who was skilled. I mean, like not just just talented, but like he's also athletic, like you said. Um, really redefined the athleticism needed to play center in the modern era. Because it was no longer the Jeff Saturdays where you had a a guy who just snaps the ball, punches a guy, calls out a co- occasional blitzes, which was at that time already just re, re rewriting what centers needed to do. But now he called out blitzes, he assigned different uh, blocking schemes, he even slid lines at times, depending on the quarterback. I mean, he helped with the maturation of five different quarterbacks at certain, certain times here in the in the process. And yeah, I mean. You talk about some of the greats that have rolled through there with him on, as the center and well, potential greats, but you also talk about some of the bums that have rolled through there. And he's handled them all well and and actually probably gave some of them their best career year. So, yeah, Jason, what, what Jason Kelsey has been able to do has been nothing short of amazing um, for that Eagles team, just kind of keeping them together. He was the glue, the glue that keeps the team together. You always talk about locker room guys. Well, he was that, but he was also the leader on the field too. And it's, you know, his ability to lead from the from the center position is is unheralded. Um, I don't know if we've ever had a center that's like that. I don't know if we ever will have another center that's like that. And it's just something that look, it's just what he is. The whole underdog situation uh, when they're you know when they win the title with the the dog masks and everything, you know he did that. And what he did for the Philadelphia area too, not just on the field but off the field. It's it's a heartwarming story. Um, also, shout out to to him and, and Kylie. I mean, I don't know why Tinder hasn't hit them up for a sponsorship deal yet because they might be the poster child for what you could do with Tinder. A Tinderella story through and through. It's the one of the more one of the more well notable ones on top of so if it is the his final ride as as an NFL player, it's a I hate that I had to go out that way for him, but he's had one hell of a career. The good news is, though, where it's not the last of them, is we will probably still see him every Wednesday for quite a while, considering the success of that show and how much fun they have doing it. So the good news is he's not disappearing. We'll get plenty of our Jason Kelsey fix moving I need forward. A, I need a New Heights Hilo uh, collab. New highs? Mm, or new lows, potentially. 
I don't know. That doesn't sound as much fun. Like that's just thinking the segment where we do like come on man type funny stuff. Because they got yeah. new news, so now they got new. Then they need new highs. They'd have new lows. Just saying, should have a lot of fun. Just throwing out there, Three's Company, Kelsey. Just you know, the Kelsey's Three. Kelsey's company. I don't know. Like there, there's something, there's something here. There's something there. I they'll figure out the new- get to, to get some of Travis's uh Nike deal and whatever Jordans that, that Jason no longer wants to keep. That works for me. So you know, because Jalen kept giving him Jordans for Christmas, so feel free. You know what I think you might you might have something there as well, too. Just whatever's sitting underneath the couch that's not that's just as kind of forgotten about. Like the beater shoes that are in the corner. I'll take those basically. Those I don't need money, I don't need any of that. Just just give me leftover sponsorship gear. The ones in the storage unit that you forgot you had. Yeah. Like, I'm not even going to ask you to get a Taylor Swift signed anything. You just literally just give me your leftover. Yeah. Give me a helmet at the end of the year. And then I like, I put a display up here with a, with a helmet. You know, I think, you know, that, that seems like a fair deal. But that definitely, hope for, hoping for that to work. But Jason Kelsey will always remember his career. As one career potentially comes to a close, though, so we got another one getting ready to potentially get started here as we now transition to college football. And, uh, officially official Caleb Williams has declared he will enter the NFL draft waiting till the last day to do it, which is an unusual CJ Stroud, Justin Fields, other guys have done it before. So it's not really unusual, but at the same time for the last 365 days, it's been, he's QB one. As soon as he comes out now, it is actually officially is coming out foregoing that extra year of eligibility. And here we go. I guess the bears are on the clock. The question is Caleb Williams, Drake may Justin Fields, maybe even Jane Daniels, who knows where they, where they go at this point. Only they know, but we're officially on the clock with, who some people say is the best QB prospect they've seen in years up for debate. However you want to word it. I think he's awesome, but we'll get into our draft scouting and stuff once the season kicks off. But, uh, Caleb Williams officially declaring. So the, the draft class is officially locked and loaded the consensus. I'm putting this in quotes because I could tell by the look on your face, you already disagreed with it. Number one prospect is officially coming out. So we're, we're underway. Everyone who's not in the playoffs is officially underway. And only nerds like us are even thinking about it. Oh, I can't wait. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I can't wait to break it down. Um, I'll explain exactly why I have Caleb where I have him ranked uh, when it comes time to it. And when you might get, we're we're, we're going to do some to fun, some fun things with our rankings this year. We're not just going to just like drop them like we did last year. We're actually going to going to provide a little more video content based off of that. So be sure to stay tuned for that. But Caleb Williams really was the last piece you were waiting to fall. But the big thing about Caleb Williams declaring on the last day that's different from you said C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields, guys like that. Uh there's been all the rumors that come with Caleb Williams declaring. Does he need assurances from Chicago? Does he need assurances from whoever drafts him? Does he even want to play in Chicago? Is there's the ownership thing a real, is that a real thing or is that just a rumor mill? Yeah, there's a lot that's been thrown out there. We don't know what's real. We don't know what's fake because his camp has not said a thing. And that's what's interesting um, is, is all this stuff is coming from the outside. What's actually happening. We don't know. Um, outside of the fact the dude's declared, that's all we know. And he still has a Dr. Pepper commercial where he walks under ladders. Maybe not the best thing to do when you were trying to fight for a Pac-12 championship. I'm just throwing it out there, but I digress. Um, and But, yeah, no, I think this is interesting uh, from the standpoint of I'm, I'm intrigued to see where he tests, but that might play some some, some later roles into, into where I rank him. But as of right now, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who, just really what's true and what's not, because you got to imagine he's going to start having to hit the press tour here soon. I will say, A, if I had that Dr. Pepper commercial too, I'd do whatever they told me to. Screw the Pac-12 championship, Dr. Pepper's forever. Fair, Dr. fair. But I, I agree with you. Maybe not the best necessary move. Maybe Dr. Pepper owes him a solid after that one as well, too. They owe him a lifetime deal. Number two is the one thing I will say, no matter who ranks him or however they rank him, 
When you look at his skill set on paper, do not let Washington with Eric Bieniemy get that man. If Eric Bieniemy is the head coach in Washington, do not let him get a hold of that man. The everything that everyone talks about with him as far as that generational talent, don't let Eric Bieniemy get a hold of that. I'm not even going to use the comparisons because everyone else exhausts them, and I don't fully believe it. But when you look at that skill set and what Eric Bieniemy's done with a similar skill set in a certain city that's still playing football right now, don't let him get that man with Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. Curtis Samuel, who's now all of a sudden scoring touchdowns, Deami Brown. Don't let him get that, man. Don't let it happen. No. Whoever, I... whoever it is, Chicago, you take him or you give it to somebody else, damn it. You give it. Don't let them Washington get that, man. There's a couple names out there who I'm I'm waiting to see where they end up at if they get moved or and such, especially OCs, uh, potentially up for head coaching jobs. Because there's a couple OCs that you look at and you're like, man, if you go to that team with that pick and they happen to have a chance at Caleb, uh, I don't want to see it, but number one on that list is definitely Bienemy. I don't care whether Bienemy's in Washington or Bienemy is anywhere else. That's fair. I'm terrified of where Bienemy, what he could do with Caleb, and, uh, and that's just from the standpoint of Bienemy's offense almost feels like a make things happen after the play breaks down offense. And Caleb Williams' best stat or best you know X factor, I guess you could say, is making plays happen after things break down. So it's almost like they they mesh so well together. Even though Bienemy's offense is still like it's still the offense, it's just like, hey, it's gonna look chaotic, but I guarantee you, you're gonna have a guy open 40 yards down the field. It has two levels. It has that like one second offense where it's like catch, snap, first read and a half, and it's good to go. Then there's that part two of it where it looks like chaos. It's like it's built in plan B that looks like oh-ish, what's going on? Which yeah, that's a perfect fit for him. And on top of it, you give him Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin's gonna go for 1,700 yards. Like my lord, <laughs> yeah. he, he's doing, he's getting a. We're not going into it. It's not the time of the year for that yet, as well. But, and we're not going to make those comparisons. I you had my heart broken twice in in, in one week, exactly. maybe three times if Jason actually announces his retirement. R.I.P. Circling back. But speaking of college football, too, the moment's finally arrived. You and I have waited a decade for it. Praise Hallelujah. Hopefully, it works out. It's been a long time coming. The return of the NCAA football game appears to be coming out this July is the rumor. Nothing confirmed for sure yet, but it looks like it is going to be this summer is the plan for the new NCAA football game since 2014, I believe, will be coming out in 2024. And we've been asking for it. It's fine. It looks like it has arrived. Please don't suck. Yeah. Uh, if it sucks, I'm never buying another EA title. I don't care what game they make. Um, you know what? It could be literally my game, a game about me and my life, and I still wouldn't buy it if it was made by EA because I will. If you ruin NCAA football for me, I'm boycotting. And now, according to all the behind the scenes and the conversations coming from Game Informer and other uh, news outlets, gaming news outlets, this this has been reworked completely, similar to how they did the old NCAA footballs. They had the team in in, in charge of Madden, and they would use the same engine, but they would change the game completely. Like the, there would actually be dedicated college football team members, and that's exactly what they're doing again. It's no longer the Tiburon team that was working on it. It's now a new team, but there are still members of the Tiburon team of in uh, this newer unit. So uh, that's po- promising. It, it, it's, it's hopeful. Um, best part about the whole thing, every FBS school is available in this. Um, I'm not sure how far they went down, but honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see some FCS schools in here. Like actual FCS schools, not FCS Southwest, like <laughs> we saw in, in 14. 
but yeah, I know there's a lot of excitement about this and we've already had talks about it in belly up about doing some belly up content leagues. Um, you already know I'll be doing the road to the Heisman mm-hmm. um, and uh, you can guarantee I'll be getting UAB into the SEC and as SEC champs at some point in time, because that's one of my favorite things to do. Although this year, now I might actually take South Alabama um, and try to move them up. Or if they give me FCS schools, you better believe I'm going and finding an FCS school and moving them. There's a, there's a lot to look forward to. Hopefully the game doesn't stink. Hopefully it's not a microtransaction cesspool. We're definitely looking forward to that as well, too. But we've had a long time for this game. I'm excited for it as well, too. But keep, keep an eye out for that, too, and let us know down below. If you are excited for this game, if you've been looking forward to it, or if you just don't care if you don't trust EA Sports at this point. which is If you don't care and you're a sports fan, I don't trust you anymore. I'm saying if they hate EA Sports. I'm saying if they if it's exclusive because of EA Sports that they're oh, okay. and that's very Nancy, EA Sports made the first renditions, but things have changed. So you know we'll we'll see. There, let us know down below what you're thinking of the game as well coming up as well too. But that's gonna do it here for the tip off as well. And you know what, Kelsey, I think we're gonna have to make sure that this main event is a little bit of extra magic. So that's a pretty good tip off, I'd say. Absolutely, gotta gotta have a little extra magic. And thanks to our friends over at Magic Mind who have provided that little extra magic for me every single day for the last. Well, almost three months now we're approaching. Um, it's been a good time. Uh, if you guys don't know, I've talked about a lot on the show. I struggle with daytime drowsiness, falling asleep very easily during the day, struggling to keep things in mind, just keep my memory up. Um, it's a lot of foggy brain. And Magic Mind has absolutely helped me out here. Um, it is this little bottle right here, fancy little bottle. It's an empty bottle from this morning. Um, take it along with your morning routine. It's just an added, an added benefit to your or added part of your morning routine. It's not anything extra steps, anything like that. You can combine it with your coffee. Take it with what I do. I have V8 energy drinks, those little small energy drinks. I drink it along with that, and it's helped me stay awake and actually focus better. I'm able to get a lot more projects done at one time, so much so that now I'm actually kind of overwhelmed with so many added projects, but it's okay because I can stay focused on them now. Um, with quality products like ashwagandha, lion's mane mushrooms, along with some quality vitamins, that you, minerals that you need to be be able to function at a high level, um, this is a great product here. Uh, I absolutely love it. I honestly, we don't talk about a lot of things that we we don't like. We don't talk about anything we don't like mm-hmm. as far as swatches go. And this is one that I've used a lot of. Um, also has matcha. So you matcha fans out there, I mean, you this is right up your alley. This is my first time actually experiencing matcha. I got to say, it's been fantastic. Um, so absolutely do appreciate everything they've done for me. I no longer fall asleep at work, and I will say it again. I've said it every episode for the last couple weeks. Don't fall asleep at work. It's never a good idea. Your boss doesn't enjoy it. Um, Thankfully, I have a very cool boss, and he talked me through the whole process, and Magic Mind came at the right time. Uh, but, guys, if you find out more about Magic Mind by heading over to magicmind.com slash Jan, J-A-N, Hilo, um, for a special discount this January. So it's only available this January, um, where you can enter the code Hilo20 at checkout, and you get one month free when subscribing for three months. So that's an extra 20% off, which gets you up to 75% off. We're not talking, not talking about something that's extremely expensive to begin with. You get, a, you know, you're paying less than 20 bucks now with this code. Uh, why not? Why not give it a try? Um, so that's over at magicmind.com slash Jan High Low. And you enter the code High Low 20. Like I said, it gives you up to 75% off. Go check it out. I do not speak lightly on this. I absolutely love this product. So please, guys, just go check it out. If you guys struggle with the same issues as me, you will not regret it. And by the way, I keep I almost forget this every time. They are now in Sprouts Grocery Store. So if you are near a Sprouts Grocery Store, go check it out. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I'm unfortunate I don't live near one. I would be there in stores picking it up today. 
uh, probably right before the show every single day, and I'd have a whole new like supply with me. And I don't think they'd be able to keep supplies in the store. But unfortunately, I do not live near a spousal grocery store. They have not moved to Cleveland yet. So that's fact, I found out this morning that there's a Sprouts right down the street from me. So it looks like I will be loaded up and it will be magic. for it. So once again, be sure to click the link down below as well to go ahead and get yourself some Magic Mind and get it started as well. So once again, Magic Mind can't set 75% off your subscription or you can't beat that. It doesn't get much better than that. That's three-fourths. That's better than every NFL player's completion percentage most of the time, except this weekend where we had a couple of them, well, a few of them well surpassed that. So here we are, main event, and we'd be remiss not to mention what a wild, wild card weekend we had this week as well, too. Super wild card weekend. Huh. That's the best <laughs> way I'm going to describe it because the average point for different, the average margin of victory was 17 and a half for the weekend. If you take away the Rams and the Lions, one point game, it was like 21 and a half. So it was kind of a weekend of ass whooping, surprisingly, but it wasn't who you'd anticipate as well. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you take in for a little before we get into some of these individual ones. But like Super Wildcard Weekend, I love it. But at the same time, the point differential in them, some of them has been really, really wacky. It's either an upset, an ass whooping, or an ass whooping upset every time. Yeah, I don't hate it. I like I I don't get me wrong. I did actually really enjoy when the league was set up where you either got two buys or you played every game, uh, or everybody played from the start of the uh, of the playoffs. But eh, it's been a while since that one's happened. But as far as the two buy, two buys, it was really cool. Uh, but honestly, I think I'm starting to grow used to the super wild card weekend now that games are no longer Nickelodeon. Uh, that was atrocious. Now just get them on Peacock. That was an awful idea. Yeah. Please don't put the best game on Peacock for the weekend. Um, may have been the coldest, but yeah, it's. Trying I think the unique thing Taylor about Swift super fandom. You know what's that? They're trying to milk that Taylor Swift fandom. Like, oh, this will get us those Peacock subscribers. Yeah, you know, because that was true. Because it's uh, it was all just Chiefs. It was guaranteed the Chiefs game was going to be the Peacock game, and then you just didn't know. Who their opponent was, but yeah, no, I mean, so the one unique thing about wildcard weekend that I, I uh, that I've really noticed is it does eliminate the pretenders, the guys, the teams that you're just like, man, how did you make it here? Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah, I would also say the Cleveland Browns because you don't start five different quarterbacks in a season and go to the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm sorry, I, I you know, live in the area, a lot of people I work with now are, are Browns fans, we know quite a few Browns fans around here. Nothing against your fanship and your hope. Trust me. I wholeheartedly agree you need to have hope in your team. And this team was probably the most hopeful you've had for a while since Baker was there. But I will say that this Super Wild Card Weekend has exposed weaknesses in teams that were not exposed in the regular season, but then also exposed strengths in teams that maybe have caught fire at the right time or maybe gave you brief moments throughout the, the regular season of greatness and then kind of squirted their way into the playoffs. Um, You know, look at Houston. Perfect example of it. CJ Stroud, fantastic. Gets injured. Oh, God, are they going to even make the playoffs? Squeaking literally because of the fingertips in in, in Indianapolis. And then you could have fooled me. I thought they were a one seed. (laughs) They were absolutely lighting up that Browns defense like nobody's business. And, 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 you know, we're going to talk about this a little more, but just like that's a perfect example of what you can really see in Super Wild Card Weekend is the pretenders are really shown and you really get to see somebody either from young or old who's actually ready for what the playoff atmosphere does. And that's a big thing. I think, I think nobody, everybody underestimates the playoff atmosphere until they're there. And for Flacco, it's like, oh, crap, I'm back in the playoffs for the first time in five years after sitting on my couch basically for a whole year. It's like, it's kind of wild. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to it, but, uh, yeah, that's the one thing I, I will say I noticed, and I, and I don't mind it for that reason because now it gives me good, high quality, 
high quality matchups going into the next round where I'm I'm pretty excited for every game that's on the on the menu. It's interesting is when they first did you would think it like, oh, the seventh seed's gonna be the one that gets blown out all the time having to play a two seed. This is just cannon fodder. This is like that's the one you'd think would be the blowout. It's kind of hit or miss. Like it sometimes it is a blowout. Like I think a couple years ago, the Chiefs and the Steelers, there's a ramrodding. But like the one of the early ones, the Colts and the Bills, a three-point game, and that was the best Bills team. We saw for the first time a seven seed beat a number two seed as well. We saw in this case the two seed and the seven seed on, on the AFC side. Well, I mean, it wasn't exactly a close game, but it, you know, it is kind of an ass whooping that we get as well. The Steelers made it look kind of good down the stretch, but it was it was an ass. After they figured it out, they they were able to slow down the Bills' offense. But I mean, the problem was they it's similar to the last time the Steelers were in the playoffs in that moment. Uh, they kind of got ramrodded early, and then nobody could keep like it was too late. Like at the end of the day, you were just like too late um, situation. So yeah, I mean, there's. What's crazy is the Steelers since 2016, when they made the AFC Championship game, I believe it was. They've been, I saw this thing earlier today. They've been to the playoffs five times, I think more often than not, as that seven seed. And they're average. They averagely give up like 40 points a game or something ridiculous like that, and only and score like 22. So they're basically getting, on average, ramrodded. They get into the playoffs, yeah, just to get absolutely smacked. You get one extra week before you get to Cancun, basically, and it's not. If you go look at it, I bet you 20 points or at least 50% of those points they give up per game come in the first quarter or the first oh, yeah. two quarters. Oh, yeah, the first half is they're getting absolutely blasted. The only reason it's that close is because prevent defense, basically, yeah. right? it's because they lean back. But either way, we'll start getting into some of the specifics now. And I think what we'd agree is, if not the biggest shocker, but one of the biggest shocker was the end of a dynasty in Philadelphia before it got started, I guess. Like, the, the Eagles laid an egg, too. They did not have... All, this, all the magic herbs and spices to make wonderful chicken there, they basically, they fell apart. I don't even know how else to describe it. They looked uninterested. They did not look good. The passing offense was occasionally Devontae Smith save us. Defense, uh, I was saying, like, occasionally he could save them, but he couldn't save them the whole oh, okay, game. Okay, okay, And then defensively, like, I've seen better tackling in Madden on all pro with the sliders cranked up, and it's trying to spite me. Like, that was just, wow, just wow. Shaquille Leonard didn't even really play. Kevin Byard looked old. The defensive backs look old and worse than we thought. The pass rush didn't really exist, minus a couple of plays. I that that was just awful. I don't even know how else to describe it. Like that was just awful. Yeah, it was embarrassing. Um, I and no offense. Look, like, I don't I don't often say this say nice things about Eagles fans, but I'm gonna say one right now. I don't think anybody deserved that wa- to watch that game. Like to have to watch that game from an Eagles standpoint. That was the worst product I've seen the Eagles put on the field since Carson. Kelly. Like really, since Chip Kelly days, like it, it was bad. That was not good. Um, it looked like Auburn this year offensively, and you guys heard me complain about Auburn regularly. Mm-hmm. Eagles fans had every right to complain about what just happened. The offense looked abysmal. I mean, I, it, you know, you talked about the the tush push earlier, and it's almost like Nick Sirianni and, and Brian Johnson got enamored with the tush push, and their only goal was to get to fourth and one or third and one every single time they had they stepped on the field like their goal was never to score a touchdown it was always to get to third and fourth and one and see if they can get it with the tush push well i don't know if anybody's ever seen the defensive line for the the buccaneers but you definitely saw it this weekend and it's headlined by number 50 vita vea who is an absolute immovable wall and uh, yeah there's a lot of things there uh, now also one thing i noticed from the eagle standpoint you look at the offensive line blocking and this is kind of what gave me away with you talk about Jason Kelsey earlier. What kind of keyed me into maybe he's not really he's not ready to play another year type of conversation is that usually he's the guy that's over there on the sideline 
getting his offensive line right, getting them figured out, getting their blocking schemes figured out. But for some reason, the Eagles kept going with the same scheme where they would double-team Vita Vea, slide the tackle inside, and let an outside rusher blitz without being touched. And it's terrifying. I don't know. I don't want Shaq Barrett. I don't want uh, you. who was the number zero? Yubibi? But uh, yeah, the rookie from Louisville. I always forgot to pronounce his name. Yeah, him, I don't want you know Tryon Shinoika. I don't want KJ Britt. I don't want any of those guys coming at me untouched because none of those are fun to, to try to deal with. Whether you have Jalen Hurts or not, uh, I mean J- Josh Allen could have been back there. Dak Prescott could have been out there, and it wouldn't have been a good showing. Um, that you would have still gotten a similar offense if you kept blocking like that. And they just kept doing it. Uh, you know, we have a podcast chat with some of our podcast friends, and I said it in there and. I'll say it again. That's the worst offensive line I've ever seen play. Worst offensive line play I've ever seen since Justin Fields starting his first game against the Browns. They didn't even know favors in that one. But this is a close second. I mean, it was it was bad offensive run. The run game. I mean, you run the you run the ball two times to start the game out. You don't run it again for twenty plays, I believe. Uh, and when you do run it the next time, he gets seven yards. And they're like, okay, let's pass the ball again. Didn't make sense. Uh, and you know, you see, the reason why I said occasionally about the Devontae situation, it was literally Devontae's the only one that's going to get you yards. Uh, Dallas Goddard, why are you running screens with Dallas Goddard? Serious question. I, I never understand that. Um, you know, at, at one point in time in the game, I jokingly said, throw Britton Covey in there and see if you can get some gadget play with him. Honestly, I was only half kidding because really that offense was so bad you needed a kickstart somewhere. I don't know where you get it from, but. That's just the offense. The defense, as you said, it was atrocious tackling. Forget about it. Kevin Byard got left looking like the meme kid off TikTok who just jumps at air trying to tackle somebody. James Bradbury looked like the Super Bowl James Bradbury, which I uh, don't know if you guys know how that figured out, but it, it finished out, but it ended with him getting called for a holding on Juju Smith-Schuster, and we all know the end of that, but it was bad. Uh, I mean, they didn't make any ad- uh, any changes during the game. It felt like they would just keep going with the same thing. Whether it's Brian Johnson or Nick Sirianni at fault for the offense, I don't care. Um, but they both be, need to be held accountable. Like, while Sirianni has said, I don't tell Johnson no. Nah, bull crap. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and then at the same time, like, you're the head coach. You see crap like that happening. You better make the change because it's your head on the line at the end of the day. And on the defensive side of things, <sighs> we've made fun of Jonathan Gannon for a lot of things. Everyone, all Eagles fans owe him an apology. Uh, yeah, absolutely. No, maybe yeah. not an apology because of the way it ended, but like you need to, you had it pretty darn good. This is what happens when you bring Matthew Patricia into the defensive coordinator role. This is what happens when you're 10 and one and you make the defensive coordinator. Yeah, which like, yeah you had two. one bad game, bad game, and it wasn't even bad. You got beat by the number one team in the NFC. Oh, woe is me. How sad of a day that is. Let me just go change my entire defensive scheme to some dude who you might as well have hired off the couch to be a defensive consultant. And now I'm going to give him the coordinator role. Why? Because he was a Bill Belichick disciple. That's no reason to give the guy. He maybe talks a good game, but the guy's actual coach coaching ability is zero. I have better coaching ability in my small toe that is broken than he does in his entire body. And his entire body is close to my size of my body. So it's a very large body. Like, my dog has better play calling ability, and she picks this left bolt every single time. So, that, yeah, uh, there's a lot of problems with this Eagles team. Uh, on the flip side, a lot of credit to the Buccaneers. 
Uh, that I'll, I'll say that because I could talk a lot about the Buccaneers, but I think I feel like I've talked enough about the Eagles. Uh, I'll go and just, I will say too, the Buc- Baker Mayfield played outstanding. The offense was clicking. They ran the ball 18 times, which was actually impressive because they've not run the ball very well for a few years. But circling back to the Eagles, A, you just to be funny about it, you have an offensive coordinator playing your defensive coordinator. We're going to play that game considering he's an offensive coordinator. That's how you decided to play the last year, which was an indictment in itself, but we're not going to get into that. That's a long episode to complain how we got here. But the, the issues I'll have with are every Lions fan that has it's just a shudder under their, their like how you had a shudder when I said it. Every Lions fan hearing this immediately shuddered, and then to think of that offensive. All Patriots fans did too, as well. To think about Matt Patricia's offense last year as well, like everyone mm-hmm. just shuddered a little bit. But I'll go ahead and mention offensively. My biggest issue was it felt like the middle of the field was just never touched. It felt like everything was outside the lines or attempting that Jalen Hurts run. You didn't, not a lot of slants, digs for lack of better words, high lows over the middle. None of those strategic things that made them very, I'm going to say dangerous last year for just a quote Baker Mayfield there that had them very dangerous last year because they could still hit those AJ Brown and Devontae Smith nine rounds with the best of them. But it was all set up because you, you flooded the middle of the field on top of it as well. Over time, you set things up. It was, it was strategic. It was, it was like a dance. If you will, like everything kind of made sense. It flowed next to each other. One step, two step, one step, two step. This year is just like, Madden coaches suggestions QB draw this should work Madden coaching suggestions four verts inside zone it seemed very it seemed vanilla you've seen like even non-eagles fans could kind of call out their plays even just from the I don't know how times they've been on prime time it's like well that running back's going on a motion wide so a Jalen Hurts quarterback draw because it's third and two and then Jason Hills is going to pull like good play call like it's great but eventually NFL players are going to see that how many times did we see the the fake smoke screen from the guy in motion going to the sideline and form where then they'd have the inside they'd have this the slot running a seam and then they'd have the outside guy running some kind of deep out or comeback? Like how many times did we see that play? Because I know I saw it at least four. Every time that it wasn't a QB draw with the motion, that's what it seemed like it worked too. Was that a screen or like it it didn't quite make sense. The middle of the field was open. There's it just they didn't take advantage of it, so which follows in saying. Looks like the Colts got the right guy getting Shane Steichen because they looked absolutely miserable without him, where Gardner Minshew almost was a playoff quarterback this year. That is, So you know what? Maybe coordinators are a bigger deal than people give credit for as well. Same with Jonathan Gann you mentioned. For all of his flaws, C.J. Gardner, Johnson talking trash about him after he left and some of the others, well, he did a very good job of disguising their flaws, especially in man-to-man coverage. It's not their strong suit. And we kind of saw it in the Super Bowl when they got caught with those motions. And now this year, when the pass rush isn't giving you 70 sacks, you can see the liability. But yep. we'll, we'll see. I'm sure they'll be fine. They'll probably be back. Howie Roseman's a good – they got – Howie Roseman's still a good GM. They'll find a way. They'll hopefully address defensive back this year as well. Assuming that team hasn't already imploded because that was six of seven down the stretch like that. Who knows? If they want to trade A.J. Brown, Indianapolis, go ahead. Give Indianapolis a call. Him and Shane Steichen have fun. Maybe they reunite that. But I digress there. But Your Dallas is looking for a receiver. If they trade – you know what? Let, that'd be the Terrell Owens. Jalen for Dak? Well, I don't know if you. I don't know about that now. I mean, that, that that's six and one and half a dozen. Well, the other Jalen would be a great addition at running back. Maybe, and you never know. But I'll also say for Tampa Bay, that defensive scheme by Todd Bowles was fantastic. Jason mentioned on their podcast they did a lot of like five man fronts, kind of like what they did to the Colts a couple of years ago when Jonathan Taylor was in his MVP season. They're just like or MVP caliber season. Like, no, you're, we're putting five guys on this line, and you're going to deal with Vita Vea one on one, or if you double them, someone's sprinting unblocked. So. I want to also go, so we'll go into Tampa Bay. Obviously, the defense, outstanding job. Antoine Winfield, still awesome. The secondary did a very good job, basically saying you're not going to run your damn nine routes on us the whole damn game. And then the front line obviously held their job, flowed to the ball. And then offensively, 
I'm pissed that Mike Evans didn't score for my bets. But everybody else got got in the action. Baker was wheeling and dealing, arguably his best game as a Buccaneer, you could say, too. He was moving. He was dodging the blitz. He was, And this is a banged-up Baker, too. They were running the ball. That was just a great game plan all around, and they executed to a T. They they earned every one of those 32 points. For all the ish we've given the Eagles, well-deserved. Tampa Bay also took it to them. And they've come a long way in 365 days when they were a four-seed and get losing 32-9 to to the five-seeded Cowboys at the time. This year, they basically completely flipped the script with the only difference being a quarterback. So Baker better than Tom Brady? Not even a little bit, but it's kind of funny. If you want someone to make that case, people will say silly things. But it is it is funny to see that, how they've completely 180'd in a year. And you know what? Kudos to Tampa Bay. They earned that. It's going to be a different story in Detroit. But this that was one of a game in Baker. Arguably his best game in years, you could say, honestly. I know he's had some good statistical games, but I know there's the Rams comeback against the Raiders last year, four minutes off of getting off the plane. But minute zero to minute 60 might have been his best game he's played in a long time. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Um, like you kind of think of his some of his best games. I think the four touchdown game he had with Cleveland in his uh, in the playoff year for him, I think that might have been might have oh, been his best be that year. I think, and he lit them up in the first quarter. Yeah, yeah. It ended up like four touchdowns by the end of the game. I think three of them came in the first half. Yeah, um, Pittsburgh we threw like two touchdowns, but they were up thirty-five to seven before he even touched the ball anyway. Yeah, the, the playoff game that, that that that's obviously a great start, but you also have to credit a lot of the defense. But I think his best game with Cleveland doesn't come into comparison with what he did for Tampa. I think Tampa, this situation, given the fact that running game is abysmal throughout the season, he had no help running the ball, getting them to the playoffs to begin with. Great job winning the division and getting to the playoffs. Even better job. Granted, it's the NFC South, so maybe take that worth. A little less than normal, um, but then again, all you just proved it by beating the Eagle, the defending NFC champion. So you know what, that grain of salt can come right back out. Yeah, exactly. So maybe it's maybe it's a couple grains, or maybe it's a clump of sugar. I don't know, but um, but yeah, no, I, Splenda. it was everybody. I mean, you talk about uh, Kate Otten getting involved. I mean, Kate Otten looked fantastic in this one. Um, you had Rashawn White in the, in the passing game, which is an important aspect, and then you had a rookie receiver. Actually, two rookie receivers, if I'm not mistaken, scoring touchdowns, or a rookie and a second year receiver for him scoring touchdowns. Absolutely insane. You had Godwin coming up for coming up big for in between routes just to get first downs. Uh, you had, like I said, Mike Evans. I mean, yeah, he had a couple drops. But you know what? Mike Evans draws the eyes of every single defender and allows you to get the one on one coverage on the backside. That's why you, you know, they talked about Mike Evans' stats and why they're so great. Did anybody notice who was in second in all the receiving stats? His name is Chris Godwin, hmm. uh, and and I just want to throw that out there because it's it, it it it's amazing what one quality receiver, a walking one thousand yard receiver, can do to a defense when he's there. Despite there being another thousand yard receiver or potential thousand yard receiver, not this year unfortunately, in Chris Godwin on the other side, and now you have two young fast guys joining that that receiving core. Uh, that offense was fun to watch, and the blocking scheme. I think. The way they they dialed up their their blocking scheme to handle the the Eagles defense, the Eagles pass rush was perfect. Uh, you did you, they did the right thing. Yeah, Brandon Graham got in there a couple times, but honestly, if you ask me if Brandon Graham's going to get two sacks in the game this year after the regular season he had, I would have laughed at you. Just it was atrocious, and and he was able to get, you know he was the guy that got that got, that beat you. And I think if you're the Eagles, if you're going to give up any guy getting to the quarterback, or if you're the Buccaneers, you're going to give up any guy going to the quarterback. You're like, all right, it's Brandon Graham. That's fine. It's not Hassan Reddick. It's not anybody up the middle. It's not Fletcher Cox. It's nobody like that. It's like 
I can accept this. And and the way they were ter- talking about middle of the field for the Eagles, middle of the field for the Buccaneers basically was a Krispy Kreme sign saying always fresh, wide open here. It's uh, forget about it. I mean, there was there may have been a guy draping somebody, but didn't matter. Like it, it was, it might as well have been Swiss cheese. It was amazing to watch. Um, Baker was damn near perfect as far as accuracy goes. I mean, it was had a couple overthrows, but realistically, the the ball was pretty well put on the dot every time it needed to be. Um, there was a ball that was dropped that was so perfectly placed. I think the only reason Mike Evans dropped it was because it was so perfectly placed. It was like, this isn't normal. What What is this? Um, I've never received a pass like this. Uh, yeah, so I, I think the offense was fantastic. Baker looked like the guy who just had a career year um, in this one. And, and you know, he did just have his career year as far as stats go, 4,000-plus yards, uh, fantastic touchdown interception ratio as well. But then on the defense, I mean, can we talk about this defense getting healthy at the right time? Yeah, you talk about Antoine Winfield. He got injured uh, or not injured but he, he let one go over the top of him in that big game by Devontae that led to the, the first touchdown for the eagles but after that it was nothing like he everything was shut down beyond the you know on the back end uh jamel dean might have had his best game as a pro um talk about auburn guys and alabama guys well he might have had his best game against a whole bunch of alabama guys on the other side of things speaking best of auburn, game since uh since he's token the phrase slant boy yeah yeah well that was carlton davis yeah i was gonna say carlton davis you know he also stepped up big, and he was healthy finally for the first time, really, it feels like, in a while. Uh, and then K.J. Britt had the stop on the push on the, on the goal line. Yes. What is it, a penalty? On replay? Sure. Didn't fact stop the fact that it was a stop. I mean, at the end of the day, it was still stopped before the hand slid up to the helmet. So uh, I'm sorry, Eagles fans, you didn't get a call there, but you can't get everything given to you. So I think there was a lot of players that stepped up in this game. It wasn't just one player, but I think the secondary in this one, a, a position, a positional group for them that is they've struggled with regularly, stepped up, and and you got to see really the full force of their offense, their linebacking core and rush pass rushers and that defensive line. Um, I think there's still work to be done. I think Todd Bowles can still do more. I'm not gonna sell. I'm not gonna just you know sell the franchise and bet nothing on D, nothing but Detroit in this game coming up. But I think. Yes, there's some work to be done from Tampa's standpoint, but I think they have a chance. And that's scary for me to say, and it wouldn't surprise me to see this team as that team that just wrinkles some feathers going forward, if you will. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, there's something weird to be said about a team that has a great defense and a great defense coordinator, even though he's their head coach in Todd Bowles. Uh, that's it's been very interesting to see. I will say that game against the Lions, I'm most likely looking at the over in that one as well. Oh, yeah. Defenses are both good, but the, the offenses they're dealing with are going to cause some problems. So I'm liking the over in that one. The corners have, have the ability to give up 40-yard plays at any point in time. At any given moment, anything could happen as well. Both, And that's a whole lot of firepower on both teams. But this game arguably could say was the most embarrassing, but there was another one that was kind of rough too. And, mm. okay, here we go. It's time to talk about it. The, the moment the Cowboys crushed cans and Kelsey's heart. They finally they got all the way. There, there was finally, even you and I talked about a couple weeks ago, this was the one year that felt a little bit different, just a little bit. And then they find a way to let you down, not just in a normal fashion, but in traumatic fashion as well, too. Like, you know, this is your, it, go ahead. This is, this is your time. Uh, I had to call my therapist after this one. This was, this was rough. And your therapist uh, had to call a therapist after that. Yeah, honestly, she probably did. Uh, she, she looked at me like, are you seriously coming to me talking about this? And I, you know, laid it all out there. It's been. Forever. I've never seen success in the playoffs for the Cowboys. I've seen it one one year, and then there was the, is it a catch? Is it not a catch year? But you know what? I haven't seen any success since then, and it just continues to, to be just 
atrocious. Mike McCarthy continues to not be able to get things done in the playoffs. He took an Aaron Rodgers and Clay Matthews team led team to get him to a Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. It was also carried by Jordy Nelson. Um, you know, it's Greg Jennings put that team on his back, though. Yeah. Um, still one of the best YouTube videos I've ever watched. Um, no, this this the offensive line was probably the highlight and it wasn't great. Uh, <laughs> the offensive line was the best part, but it wasn't good. Micah Parsons looked pedestrian. Um, he did not look like the game changer you've seen all season. The guy who has been impactful, the guy who's probably going to get several hundred millions of dollars coming for, coming soon. Um, the, the, the running game, what running game? Um, <laughs> CD Lamb and Dax connection looked like you and I trying to talk Japanese to somebody from Tokyo. You know, it, it <laughs> not on the same page is the easiest thing to say. Um, it, it was, it was bad and it, it almost felt like everybody put the blame on CD for some reason. I don't know what happened in that conversation, but Dak is equally to blame. He was throwing balls 10, 15 yards away from the nearest receiver. And then looking at the receiver, like, what are you doing? Uh, I don't know, Dak, maybe what are you doing? Like, are you okay? Like what? I don't know what happened in this one, but it felt like before the game, there was like somebody cheated on somebody else's or so with somebody else's wife type of conversation. And everybody hated each, everybody hated each other for that. Like there's there. I don't know why this team looked so out of sorts, but they did not look like a team. They looked like a bunch of dudes that just got thrown together for an all-star game and asked to go play the number one team, despite it being the number seven team who shouldn't have even been in the playoffs but were carried there by Jordan loves crazy self. I, I don't get it. I don't understand what happened. I told myself I wasn't going to drink the Kool-Aid, and I tried not to drink the Kool-Aid for as long as possible in this season. But as what always happens when a team gets close to the playoffs, you start having a little bit of hope, and a little bit of that Kool-Aid just absorbs into your skin. I'm wearing the Cowboys shirt now. I'm so I'm still feeling it a little bit here. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, this is this one's tough because you looked at what was in front of them, and with all the losses and the different things that happened in the NFC, there was green grass until the NFC Championship game if you're the Cowboys. But they couldn't get it done. So, yeah, uh, there's lots of questions there. But overall, it was painful. Um, best way I can say it. Absolutely. And I think I also want to mention, too, like we could talk about the Cowboys and how they let you and everybody else down so viciously. But And I know what the score final score is like 48 to 32. It looks respectable. We all knew better. It was 41 to 16 in the fourth quarter. Like, that was time. Exactly. Like, but I will say kudos to the Packers because Jordan Love looked absolutely fantastic in this game. And honestly, for the last, I think, eight weeks or something like that, where he's had like 21 touchdowns and one pick, he's looked a thousand times better than he did in the midpoint of the season where we were like, eh, you know what? It's his first year. We'll give him a pass, but it's a little rough. They don't really have a number one receiver. Watson's been hurt all year. Jaden Reed's nice, but he's a rookie. Did not matter. He he was lighting up. His mechanics were he he looked like a slightly more a slightly tanned more tanned Aaron Rodgers out there basically. Like he was. I'm not gonna say he's. They've already found their guy that they've done it again. But boy, does it look like it already. Like Bears fans gotta be sitting there thinking, "Come on, man, you got three in a row. And we can't even get one. What is this? Like that's it's killed. It was an absolute. He was wheeling and dealing. The receivers, these Romeo Dobbs, Romeo say yes. That's pretty much what he said the entire time was wide open. It was. Aaron Jones, too. You can't forget Aaron Jones. Always feasts on the Cowboys for some reason. That that he's he'll be hurt all year, and that's when he comes alive. Yeah. Yeah. No, that man gives you three touchdowns every time he walks into 
into Jerry's world. Um, it's pretty insane, actually. Uh, got to got to give the man credit. But no, I think Jordan Love is underrated. I think we I I asked this question when we when we were both on corner booth last week last week when we did the collab with them. Is Jordan Love the next chosen one for Green Bay? And in this case, yeah, all signs are pointing to it. I don't know what else to say. All signs are pointing to yes. Um, but yeah, it's it's surprising to say the least. I I I don't know if it's the floor. I don't know if it's Jordan Love. Um, but honestly, the plays I saw on the field were not necessarily plays that a coach can 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 make an p- impact on. They were the second, third reads or re- rewinding back in your reads, starting over again. And he's throwing a sidearm pass. He's throwing a three quarters pass. He's throwing something off of an, uh, a falling back platform, and he throws it on the line forty yards downfield to a uh, you know corner route. It's just like that does that's not normal. Like not normal arm talent you're saying from Jordan. You're seeing why Jordan Love was such a highly touted prospect coming out. And and, and look, I think it's, it's safe to say these young receiving core they have, I think it's safe to say that uh, if Aaron was still there, that he'd be more than happy with the talent that these guys have. Also, they have two quality quality tight ends. Um, I, I You know, Luke Musgrave finally back from injury, but on top of that, you had Kraft there that dude actually looks really good. Um, I know he's kind of more their blocking tight end technically, but for the six weeks that Musgrave was out, he handled himself valiantly. He was actually three top five in scoring for tight ends during that time. Um, so much so I even started him uh, in one of my playoff games in my fantasy team. He fantastic. So yeah, no, I think this team is it was underrated to begin with. And as I said, they shouldn't. They were not projected to make the playoffs. Everybody who saw this team saw a team that's rebuilding. But I think the big part of this game comes from not just Jordan Love stepping up, not just that offense stepping up, but the secondary. The defense played is better than it's played all season. That's been a shaky defense throughout the year, but they came to play, especially in that first half. Yeah. Uh, Rasul, Rasul Douglas, um, you had Jair Alexander strapping dudes. Like, I mean, that was just, With that dude looked like he is the seatbelt commercial. Like, this is why you need to click it or ticket because you have this guy on the other side. Like, you're not playing with this one. Uh, it was, it was lockdown from lockdown standpoint. Um, I, they must have been going one on one between that receiving core and, and cornerback set because they were ready for every double move. They were ready for every triple move. Anything that could be pulled out of the bag by Dallas uh, was ready to be stamped out by the defense of the of, of the Packers. And um, you know, the big my big complaint that I've had with the Packers over the last couple of seasons is the interior of the defensive line and the linebacking core. Quay Walker playing middle linebacker. Obviously, he had the big mistake last year if you will of bumping into a ref along with Devontae or along with the uh, yeah Devontae Wyatt um they look both of those guys look great in this one um yeah I don't know uh, this team was was great top to bottom um basically outside of special teams and the only reason there wasn't anything great on special teams was because they didn't have to kick the ball very often mm-hmm. PATs and kickoffs really and they didn't give up anything bad on those so that'll work out so them in San Francisco is going to be a quite quite the matchup too. The, the superstar loaded team or the team that might just be too young to, and too naive to really know that they're supposed to lose. Yeah. We joked about before. both of them will continue to shut down Dallas in the playoffs. One hundred percent, it's mandatory at this point. But we have one other game we're going to look at on the NFC side. It was the bloodbath, I guess, the rematch, the close game of the of the year of the week so far as well too. The Lions taking on the Rams. Jared Goff gets his revenge over the Rams, winning a very very close one. Over over Stafford and the Rams, who they came to play. Honestly, I think that Stafford, I I swear he got a concussion in that game at one point. The way they showed him, and he still came back out there. Puka Nakua 
first round fantasy pick next year. Every draft, he's going to be a first round fantasy pick guaranteed. Tyron Williams still solid. He got hurt, but the Lions, it was, it was just their time. Like it feels like Motor City, Dan Campbell had him ready to go and they, it was close, but I feel like the Lions had a very comfortable, especially down the stretch. So I'm going to say Jock Garrett, Jared Goff gets his revenge. That's awesome. Now it would be poetic if he goes and gets his now as well, for lack of better terms. Like Stafford got his early, Goff gets his late. It'd just be a poetic thing for it'd be the Justin Jefferson Stephon Diggs trade where everybody wins. This little, if Jared Goff somehow goes on a run here, that'd just be like the perfect poetic swan song, if you will. Yeah, I believe you talked about this with Jared Goff before. Um in the trade for Matthew Stafford, he's technically rigged as a six round draft pick. Uh in, in that in that draft package. Or yeah, in that two ones and then something like that because of his contract was so big at the time too so it, yeah. that's why like they had to throw in like the extra one with it as well like jared goff was the five he was the expiring contract if you will like they talk about nba just this wasn't expiring that's why they had that's why. yeah it's wild to think about that a guy who was in, in in rankings for for these trades he's ranked as the probably worst part of the trade uh, now mind you we're not talking worst player and i said this when he was uh when he was the, the rumors came about of getting, you know, we'll re-roll the tapes on this. I don't think Jared Goff was the problem in L.A. And I, I wanted him to have the opportunity to prove it. And he finally got that opportunity. I think Sean McVay took the opportunity to, to upgrade his quarterback because you get don't often get a chance to get a top-10-level quarterback, a Hall of Fame-caliber quarterback, um, you know, despite you having a great quarterback, young quarterback either. But, you you know, you don't, you don't, miss, you don't want to miss that opportunity too often. Worked out for the Rams. They got to the Super Bowl. They got to win. But Jared Goff has been trying to fight for getting that recognition back since going back to the last Super Bowl. And I think you're finally seeing it this year. It's everything's falling into place. I don't know if it's the addition of Josh Reynolds or not, but between the two of them, they look fantastic together. They obviously have the history of the the Rams team together. Um, but also, I mean, just in general, do you, we're seeing Jared Goff as a poised quality leader here, uh, checking at the line, calling great uh, second plays, if you will, um, you know, audibles and, making the right reads for, for blitzes um, calling those out as well and, and making the right reads on, on a drop man or a, you know, any of those type of odd switch switches you'll see from a defense to try to confuse them. And, and you saw him handle that perfectly. And, and again, I hope he's able to continue this momentum, but yeah, I think him getting his revenge is a big part, but also, man, we are continuing to see this, this Detroit team just absolutely ready to beat somebody up. Like it feels like they're 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 ready to go into a five round championship UFC bout. Like they're going into a title bout here. Again in the heavyweight against Daniel Cormier every single night. Like they're ready to caps like they they're following yeah. Motor City Dan Campbell. It's it's fantastic. I, I enjoy watching the, what the Lions did and honestly yeah you you talk about Puka. I mean come on man up for the Rams it's been, been a fantastic season for him. Um definitely well deserving of all the accolades coming his way. And probably the future contract that he's going to earn um, very soon. Uh, you just got to imagine that that'll happen if he has another year like this. Um, very quick two-year extension <laughs> conversation. Uh, you can imagine, um, but yeah, not not too bad. And Kyron Williams, like I said, uh, coming back healthy after last year's ACL situation. Um, I think it was ACL, maybe Achilles. I can never remember which one it was for him. But yeah, it's. Great to see him. Great to see them healthy. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't win this one, but it was like, all right, well, if I have to choose who's going to win, I want the Lions to win between these two. I want to see Jared Goff get it, and we all got to see that. So now we get to see the next step of Jared Goff's career. Can he beat Baker Mayfield? That's going to be a battle of number one overall picks, but not on the teams that drafted them. I, a fun twist there. I, I will say, I think people looked at as they as Goff was like that weak link to the trade, but I, we always kind of looked at as like, it's not necessarily that Goff is bad. It's just like 
there's Stafford right there. And when you look at McVay's offense, it's quarterback friendly, but it's very Stafford skill set friendly with those yeah. shots and the, that sort of thing where Goff is good. So he made, they made it work, but he fits better with like what this Lions offense is, how it's built. Like they're built differently. Than, like you look at Jimmy Garoppolo is with uh, Kyle Shannon. Obviously it works, but Brock Purdy, it works a lot better. Like that there's certain guys just fit with things better, even if it is quarterback friendly as well. But either way, it's going to be fun watching them go forward. And the Rams, for the first time since they took Jared Goff, have a first round pick this year. As of right now, they could get rid of it at any moment. But oh, that's the world. They might be trading it here soon. You never know. But as of right now, for the first time since they took Jared Goff, their last game of the year is to Jared Goff. And now they have a first round pick. So, you know, it's a fun circle there. But as we're running lower on time, we do have one last one we want to touch base on. You touched base on it earlier. Houston and the Stroud boys not only take it to Cleveland, but Cleveland could not handle the truth. An absolute 45 to 14 or something ridiculous. Flacco would, Flacco scored as many points for Houston as he did for Cleveland. Kareem Hunt had a couple touchdowns. CJ Stroud was fantastic. Nico Collins outstanding. I don't know if this is more of how awesome the Houston is, which yes, they, they are pretty awesome. And on top of it, how I don't say bad Cleveland was, but how bad Cleveland is on the road especially that defense, the 32nd ranked defense on the road compared to number one at home. Just absolutely, just asinine, honestly. This was the game that I think would have made sense if it was like Detroit and, and uh, the sorry, Detroit and the Rams. That's what this game should have been. But instead we got what Dallas and Green Bay was supposed to be, weirdly enough. Like it was just, it's a weird musical chairs of results, but good for Houston. It's, I don't, I think it's gonna be a different story with the old Browns now with taking on the Ravens. Like the, it's a, it's gonna be a different story coming up, but Good on Houston. What a turnaround they've had as well, too. Absolutely outstanding. CJ Stroud, arguably the best rookie quarterback we've seen in a long time. Tamiko Ryan's coach of the year. Bobby Slovic going Slovic going to be a head coach in this league, if not in a few weeks. It, next year, guaranteed. He should he should 100 percent He's they got something cooking there in Houston. The AFC South can be fun for a while. Agree. Yeah. Bobby Slovic, he needs to be a head coach by the end of 2025. If he's not a head coach by the end of 2025, and I do mean the end of 2025, not the end of the 2025 or 2024 season in the 20, no, I mean like the end of the 2025 calendar year. So maybe during the middle of 2024, I don't know. Well, he might be a head coach in a few weeks. Yeah. I mean, realistically, it's probably not. A, yeah. Uh, I mean, whenever, if they ever get, if they get bounced prior to the, the Super Bowl, um, you expect it then. Or if he does, if they don't, if they make it to the Super Bowl, you expect it during that off week before the Super Bowl when everybody gets hired. Um, but yeah, I mean, Demico Ryan's this team from worst to, well, now you're playing the number one overall team in the playoffs uh, in Baltimore. Good luck. Uh, but really, I mean, now what they did, CJ Stroud setting a record for rookie and playoff rookie performance in a playoff game. Uh, I mean, overall, it was just a fantastic appearance. And and talk about a fan base that deserves this in Houston, um, and another fan base who just gets to experience more misery. I, I feel bad for Cleveland fans, similar to kind of how I feel bad for Philly fans. That's that's a sucky way to go out, but. When you think about the grand scheme of things, all the injuries that came to play for Cleveland throughout the year, how you made it this far with the record you had, I don't know. Um, but similar to the way the Steelers made the playoffs, I just don't know how that happened either. Um, but you know what? It, it had to happen sometime, and unfortunately it's happening to the Houston team that everybody's like, oh, now you lost to the team that was worse last year. It's not like that. This team was actually really well coached. This team, you know, they're young, but they're talented players. Uh, Will Anderson led the league in pressures. Uh, didn't didn't really get any sacks, but he led the lead in QB pressures or QB hurries and, and throughout the year. So it's like, all right, well, not a bad start for, for a rookie. And, and you have CJ Stroud on the other side of the ball, who throughout the regular season is the should be unanimous rookie of the year. Um, but you know, there's always gonna be that one guy who, who decides to mess it up, but honestly, probably could be a you know, finished fifth in the MVP voting type of conversation. 
he was that good minus the injury. Uh, yeah, I think Houston showcased what they're really able to do. D'Amico Ryans, we'll see if he can get him ready for what's to come in Baltimore. Uh, that's a much different conversation. You had a, a very stable Joe Flacco. Now you get a very active Lamar Jackson. Um, how do you handle that? We'll wait and see. But uh, yeah, I think for Houston, this was a, you know, a, a great start for hopefully a better future for Houston. Only thing we're missing is if it was Deshaun Watson a quarterback, so we could have that battle royale again as well, too. Like the former team battle royal. That's the only thing that I think would have made more of a cherry on top of this match is if you could have had the returning to Houston almost sort of feel to it and not just the regular season game against a tanking team last year, but this year a competitive team with your successor, who you are also friends with. Like that would have been, that would have just had another dynamic. It would I would have made the score to be 64 to 14. Um that's a different story there as well. Yeah. But like I, w- I will say that was a Cleveland will be fine moving forward. They got some work to do in this offseason because this was kind of the year salary cap-wise, player-wise, personnel-wise. They got some work to do to make it happen. Houston, you still got a first-round pick, even though it's not your own, if I'm not mistaken. I think they have Cleveland's this year. So, you know what? This helps you out in both ways as well. And and Arizona, damn, you thought you were going to have two top five picks that come after that trade last year to get Houston's. And unfortunately, now one of them is going to be in the 20s. But either way, great offensive lineman for next year. You know what? That there's that too as well. So you know, what? if you're Houston, the future is definitely looking bright. Although this week we're looking forward to them in Baltimore. But that's gonna do it for this wild card recap main event. And we're gonna move quickly into Kelsey's favorite part of every show. That's crunch time. Brought to you by Outlier. Go and use Outlier.bet backslash Hilo Sports and go and get yourself a free seven day trial to bet smarter, not harder. And Kelsey, you can go ahead and lead the way here with crunch time. Yeah. So the tide is moving out. Um, if you guys don't know, obviously, if you missed the storylines, Nick Saban retiring. Um, from Alabama, and they have hired Kalen DeBoer. Uh, if you guys don't know who that name is or it sounds familiar, Washington head coach most recently in the college football playoff finals, the losers, unfortunately, in that game to Michigan. But he does get to do get to move on into the role as the new head coach of Alabama. But he will not have the same players, it looks like, from this year, and it is open season on players coming out of Bama right now. Uh, the, the portal is wide open. Uh, we just saw one of the starting corners from this most recent Alabama team transfer to Auburn, of all places, which works for me. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, there's another six to seven names that started last year, offense and defense, that are have announced that they are entering their name in the portal. We don't know where they're going yet, but there are rumors that many of these players will end up somewhere else, um, maybe Big 12, maybe Big 10. We don't know, but it's going to be one of the th- big three, obviously, going forward. Uh, maybe ACC for some of these guys, but it does present a question going forward for the success of Kalen DeBoer, what they can do. He has put his coaching staff in place. Now uh, there are a lot of coaches from Washington. If you guys haven't seen it, uh, check it out. Just, you know, searching anywhere on Twitter or anything like that. Um, the whole staff is, is, is up there, but yeah, it's very interesting to see how he'll perform now as the first coach since Nick Saban, as we talked about, nobody wants to be that next coach. Um, but I think Kalen DeBoer is a good coach. For this, I don't know if he's ready for this, uh, but if there's a coach that was not a SEC coach that was going to take this challenge on, I feel like it was going to be him, and I think this is the right time for him. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like the move, getting him in there for Bama, but, uh, yeah, I don't know how great it's going to be when all those players leaving. He's going to have to reach into that portal and, and try to drag some some kids back. I wish you to stay to Washington personally as well, too. I think he was a better fit there. I think he would have had a – Better sooner chance at a national championship, if that makes sense. I think what he built at Washington, people were kind of following that. And the way he left was a little abrupt, I guess, and is how it was looked in some ways. So I think it's to take him a little bit longer to get Bama back. To, and you're following Nick Saban. Like, good luck yeah. with that. Like, have fun with that. No one wants to 
I digress, but that's it's okay, definitely. I ask you a question: Who was the second? Who was the next coach after Bear Bryant? Does anybody know? Nobody. Exactly. Who was the next coach after Bo Schembechler? Exactly. Why I wouldn't want to follow the Nick Saban. Who Nobody knows. Is why I wouldn't want to follow Nick Saban, especially when you have a net. You just won a national championship in Washington. That's not going to the Big Ten. Like you, I would have stayed if I were him. And I think some of the things that were reported coming out of there as well, he should have stayed. But I digress. The tides are definitely turning down in Birmingham. So or Tuscaloosa. That's, I should that's say. Yeah, but you're you're not far off. It's about yeah. forty five minutes if you drive on that interstate like everybody else does. Tides are turning in Bama is all we're getting at right now. But yeah. basically, that I agree with you. It's definitely going to be interesting to, to take a look there. But And rounding out crunch time here, we got ourselves up with some movement in the NBA as Pascal Siakam, all-star with the Raptors, getting traded to the Indiana Pacers for Buddy Heald and basically draft picks as well. And we both had Indiana as kind of our surprise playoff team. Unfortunately, we didn't even coagulate. It just kind of happened. We both liked it. Now you pair him with Tyrese Halliburton alongside Miles Turner. I like the fit a lot. I think he's a perfect power forward type to fit next to Miles Turner. The pick and roll with Tyrese Halliburton is going to be phenomenal. Plus, I think if something Halliburton's in foul trouble per se, or he misses against Siakam's, you could put him out there and say, go get us 25 and 10. And he's capable of doing that. Not consistently, but he's capable of that. So I like the move a lot for Indiana to kind of maybe propel. It's a They're going to have to resign him at the end of the year. Otherwise, it's a rental. So that is kind of those trades always kind of suck. But you want to compete with Boston, Milwaukee, and those teams down the stretch and at the at the end of the season. I think this is the type of move you have to make at this point. I, I like the fit personally. Yeah, I mean, you definitely see Toronto trying to ship out anybody who costs them any money right now, um, getting ready for the next season of free agency. But yeah, I think uh, this is a situation where Siakam. It's it's very interesting, right? He has he's been rumored for a couple teams. Uh, rumored one of them being Sacramento. Uh, the issue being he flat out told Sacramento, "I will not be resigning." Um, despite them being a good team, a quality team, a playoff team. Uh, and now he's going to Indiana, who is none of those things uh, on, on paper. They are a good team. They are a good young team. But you're also losing your best shooter. You're also losing Bruce Brown, who is the best utility player in this trade. Um, so those are two pieces missing that that is interesting. Um, we'll see if Siakam can fill that role. We all know he can go score. He's maybe Giannis in a lot of ways uh, in, in his abilities on the, on the court. It's not as fine-tuned as Giannis, but... He can at least shoot a three occasionally. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know how well I think this fit is. I think it's an interesting one. Um, for Indiana's sake, I hope they can re-sign him because he is a good player. I'm not going to say he's not a good player. I think he's a good, like you said, go out there and get to 20 a night as a, you know, second, third option. That's fine. Um, as a first option occasionally, yes, I'm okay with that. First option 100% of the time like he was in Toronto, no. That was not how it was supposed to be. Uh, so I think it's a good move for Siakam just to get into a – position where he could potentially end up a playoff contender and a playoff team and actually maybe make a run at the finals. I think the talent's there. It's just a matter of actually getting on the same page. I do think you need to go find another shooter though. Uh, if you're Indiana, you need to get a shooter to, to offset that. Um, and uh, nothing. I mean, like I, I'm not saying buddy Hill was always the answer, but he was a better answer than nothing right now. Uh, I think it's <laughs> the best way I'm trying to say that. So yeah, I think it's a good move. It's just, Maybe not my best landing spot for him. I think there were some better landing spots potentially for him. I just, you know, whatever. It, it is what it is. Hopefully you can re-sign him, Indiana. We'll see. And yeah, I like the Pacers. I think they have a quality team there. I think it could be a good fit too. And I, I like what they have going there. And You know what? Maybe he just didn't want to go pay the California taxes after playing the Toronto taxes his entire career. Maybe that's why he chose Indiana. He's like, you know what? No, no more no more of this. And, or he wanted to see Miles Turner's Lego collection in person, which I can't blame him for that. I mean, also, he doesn't have to play center anymore for his team. That's a big part of it. And he gets 
the big thing that I think helps him here is now he gets a lot of pressure taken off because Tyrese is there. Um, because you have Halliburton, because you have Miles Turner, those two guys are going to take the main two fiddles, and you're going to be second fiddle, really. You're going to be Tobias Harris now, uh, not Tobias Harris with the Clippers, exactly. where he was asked to do everything. So. Exactly. I think we'll see how it, definitely see how it plays out in the East, which is oddly competitive right now at the top. Everyone's chasing the Celtics, it feels like, for sure, though. But that's going to do it here for this edition of the High Low Sports Podcast. We're happy you all here able to join us. Here Tuesdays will return next week as well, too. For those those of you who do, who we're looking forward this week. It will return next week as well. We'll have some – now the NFL season's over. We'll start throwing a little bit of variety in some of those tier Tuesdays and mixing and, it up a bit as well. So you definitely want to stick around for some of the things we have coming up. I'll say don't forget, that'll be over on Belly Up Sports YouTube page next week. So be sure to check it out. We'll still upload it. We'll still up, you know provide the links through our social medias. Uh, but going forward, we'll at least put one of these episodes out a month on tier Tuesday uh, over on the Belly Up page. Uh, just to kind of see how that goes. We'll, we'll see. Um, be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, appreciate y'all for joining us here. We will see you all again next week.